All right, ladies and gentlemen, you are locked on Falcons. I'm your host, Aaron Freeman. And today is a crossover Thursday where I will be joined by the locked on giants host, Patricia trainer to preview this upcoming week three matchup between the Atlanta Falcons and New York giants. You are locked on Falcons, your daily Atlanta Falcons podcast, part of the locked on podcast network, your team every day. So guys, you know me, I'm Aaron Freeman, been covering the Falcons for many years, formerly at falcfans.com, RIP, still going strong on Twitter at falcfans, throwing up an occasional column over at the Falcoholic, the SB Nation website for the Atlanta Falcons, and of course, the host of this pre-minute Locked On Falcons podcast, your daily Atlanta Falcons podcast, right here on the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. And today's episode is a crossover Thursday where I will be joined by Locked On Giants host, Patricia Trena to preview this week three matchup between the Falcons and Giants. And today's episode, we're going to be focusing here on the Locked on Falcons podcast on the Giants half of this matchup. We'll be talking with Patricia about that team's various strengths and weaknesses. Uh, if you're looking uh, to get more of the Falcons side of things, of course, you can check that out on the Locked on Giants podcast, where Patricia is doing that for her listeners to get more information on this team. And of course, you can go check out the Locked on Giants podcast on Odyssey app, wherever you get your podcast, as well as on YouTube, where more and more Locked on hosts are migrating, including uh, my, you know, Locked On Falcons will eventually be on YouTube at some point this summer. Of course, I'll give you updates there. But if you're more of a visual learner than an audio learner, of course, you can check out a, a bunch of Locked On podcasts on YouTube, including Locked On Giants. Uh, but before we get into today's episode, uh, talking with Patricia Trena, as well as giving you some updates on the injury statuses of wide receiver Russell Gage and and cornerback AJ Terrell. I do want to let you guys know about the locked on NFL draft podcast. Speaking of locked on shows, you know, the locked on NFL draft podcast after a brief hiatus due to the departures of Trevor Sikama and Ben Solak is back relaunched this week with new hosts, Eric Crocker and Ryan Tracy, giving you not only the player scouting, but giving you some analytics uh, to wet your whistle as you guys get geared up for the ongoing college football season, as well as the 2022 NFL draft. And of course you can check out the locked on NFL draft podcast on YouTube on Odyssey or wherever you get your podcast. So don't go check that out. But, you know, getting into the news before we have our conversation with Patricia Trina of Locked on Giants, you know, those injuries to Russell Gage and AJ Terrell for the, you know, the Falcons haven't officially ruled either player out, but I'm just going to assume that neither guy is going to play. And, and until later in the week when the Falcons say, oh, no, one of one or both of these guys will actually play on Sunday against the Giants, uh, then I will sort of backtrack off of that. But for now, I'm going to assume that both are out. Uh, Terrell is in the, the concussion protocol. Reports are saying that Russell Gage is considered week to week with the ankle injury that he's dealing with, uh, but is unlikely to play on Sunday, but hasn't been officially ruled out. Uh, But again, I I think he's unlikely to play both of those injuries. Both of those potential absences are significant, although at least in theory, I think the Falcons can better navigate the Russell Gage injury. Uh, Longtime listeners of this podcast know that I have stated in the past, I've made the argument that Alameda Zacchaeus, who is likely to step into Gage's uh, absence, that void left by Gage is pound for pound a better wide receiver than Russell Gage just because I think I think more highly of 
OZ's ability to and potential to get separation due to his superior speed and quickness as a route runner. Um, so I think this week offers, you know, op, op, offers a golden opportunity for OZ to show what type of value he can bring to this current Falcons offense, as well as potential future Falcons offense, given Russell Gage's future is in doubt, given that he's going to be a free agent after the season. Olamide Zacchaeus is going to be a free agent, but a restricted one. So in a world where the Falcons do decide to keep him, they should be able to do that. But whether they decide to do that will, you know, depend on opportunities like this upcoming week. If he can show value to be more than just a sort of number four wide receiver, which he has been up to date, we haven't really seen him get much of an opportunity this year as the team's de facto number three. And this week he's going to be asked to be more of that number two guy with Gage nursing that injured ankle. And we know Gage suffered that injury early in that box game and then continue to play on it, which we discussed already on the podcast this week. I don't think was a particularly smart move, not only because the risk of aggravating that injury even further, the ramifications of that possibility being potentially felt by this Falcon team, not only this Sunday, but also in future Sundays, but also because it showcased that this team did not, or at least this coaching staff did not seem to have a lot of confidence in their wide receiver depth, including players like Alameda Zacchaeus, which, you know, was only further evidence when the team brought in a number of wide receivers this week, like John Brown, uh, to work out on Tuesday. And so we're going to sit here and wonder if OZ can fill that void. I certainly think he's capable of doing it, but obviously he's just going to have to go out there and do it. As for AJ Terrell's injury, you know, I think it's definitely the more serious of the two injuries that the Falcons are dealing with. And that's no offense to Russell Gage, but simply the drop off between you know, AJ Terrell and his potential replacement in TJ Green is much more significant than the drop off I at least perceive between Russell Gage and Alameda Zacchaeus. TJ Green is basically a safety that has been masquerading as a cornerback for the Falcons for the last, you know, two months, in large part due to the absence of Kendall Sheffield to an undisclosed injury that he suffered in early August. And we still, you know, are now in late September and still don't know the exact ramifications are, but he's currently on injured reserve potentially could come back next week, but obviously him coming back next week is not going to help the Falcons on Sunday. And while I have been consistently underwhelmed by Kendall Sheffield, when he's gotten on the field over these last two seasons, essentially since that like week six Cardinals game where I thought he did really well against the Cardinals receivers, but since then has been underwhelming in my eyes. The thing you can say about Kendall Sheffield, he's gotten a lot of playing time in that time. So he is kind of battle tested and you would probably at least in theory, like him as a more favorable matchup against these giants receivers this weekend, particularly a player like Darius Slayton, who brings a lot of speed uh, to that giants wide receiver room and typically lines up on that side of the field at AJ Terrell, uh, that left cornerback spot, the right side of the giants offense that's generally uh, Darius Slayton's side of the field. But you know, the giants do mix in a healthy degree of Sterling Shepard and Kenny Galladay and, and Galladay, especially uh, while he hasn't done a whole lot through two games with the giants this season did dominate a player like Kendall Sheffield, a year ago in that Detroit Lions game that the Falcons lost at the end, thanks in large part to Galladay making some big catches uh, in the fourth quarter on that final drive to help get the the Giants, uh, I'm sorry, the Lions in scoring position. And again, that, that was on Kendall Sheffield. Uh, and I don't think TJ Green is as good as Kendall Sheffield. So uh, that to me is potentially a very problem area for the Falcons. And, and the Falcons secondary ha- has already not been playing great. The safety position struggled last week. We talked about that on yesterday's All-22 review. Uh, and so losing a player like Terrell, who was one of the few guys consistently making plays on the back end, 
in Sunday's action against the box. We did see Fabian Moreau make some plays in that week one game against Philadelphia. So maybe he can pick up the slack, but you know, the secondary is already problematic and is only going to be more problematic as the point I'm making with Terrell out of the lineup. And that's going to put more pressure on this Falcons front to be able to basically hide and mask those deficiencies on the back end. Uh, and I do think that is a potential matchup that this Falcons front, even given sort of how anemic this Falcons pass rush has been, this year has the opportunity going up against this Giants offensive line that has struggled this year. Uh, you know, they have an opportunity to take advantage of that group. And of course, Patricia will be coming on shortly on this podcast uh, to talk about exactly where the Giants strengths and weaknesses are on that offensive line to see how they match up against the various Falcons strengths and weaknesses to their defensive line and whatnot. Um, but uh, we were talking about the potential of this pass rush in the summer during training camp, you know, I mentioned the giants as an offensive line alongside others like the jets, the Panthers and the dolphins that were some of the bottom shelf offensive lines in the league, or at least expected to be going into the season. And I haven't seen or heard anything that suggests that those guys, those units are exceeding expectations, maybe the Panthers, but you know, these are some of the lower offensive lines that even the Falcons anemic pass rush has an opportunity to sort of uh, dominate and potentially feast on. So we'll see if those guys can do that. And we'll see where sort of Patricia sees the strengths and weaknesses of this New York Giants team as we continue today's crossover Thursday. But before we get into all of that, guys, I want to let you know that today's episode is brought to you by Rock Auto with ever increasing numbers of makes and models. It's now impossible for your local chain auto parts store to stock all the parts that you need. Why wait? Why the person behind the counter orders parts on their computer when they, you already have a computer with access to rockauto.com at home or in your pocket, save time and money. When using rock auto, you'll spend up to twice as much for the same parts when you order from a chain store or a car dealership. Meanwhile, rock auto's prices are always reliably low for every customer. Rock auto is a family business serving do it yourselfers for over 20 years. They have everything you need from brake parts, tail lamps, motor oil, even new carpet. Go explore their easy to use website yourself today and find the solution to your auto parts needs. Go to rockauto.com right now and see all the parts available for your car or truck right locked on in the how did you hear about us box so that they know we sent you amazing selection reliably low prices all the parts your car will ever need rockauto.com all right everyone you are locked on falcons i'm joined by another illustrious guest here uh, that is none other than Patricia Trainer, the host of the Locked on Giants podcast. Of course, Patricia is going to be here with me today to talk about this upcoming week three matchup between the Atlanta Falcons and the New York Giants on Eli Manning Day of all days. Uh, too many bad memories for Falcons fans with Eli Manning, particularly in the playoffs. Maybe we'll touch upon that later. But Patricia, thank you for joining me. Always a pleasure, my friend. So talking about this Giants team, and you and I had a conversation about this Giants team already on Lockdown Falcons earlier this summer. So some of this is going to be updating some of those topics that we discussed. And to me, one of the big topics for this Giants team heading into the season was, is Daniel Jones the guy? And through two games, what has been your assessment of Daniel Jones's play so far this season? The first game, not bad. The second game, this last game against Washington, probably Daniel Jones's best game in quite some time. No turnovers, no blatant mistakes that you you sat there and you say, oh, my God, what are you doing, Daniel? A good command of the huddle, uh, made some good throws, got some throws into some tight windows. He's been victimized again by drop passes. He had three drops by his receivers, including the big drop by Darius Slayton. That should have been a touchdown. 
uh, a drop by Kenny Galladay of all people as well. Um, and a running game that hasn't been, you know, that he's basically carried. So you watch Daniel Jones and you definitely see a comfort level in him running this offense. Now, what he has to do, obviously, is he's got to stack these games together. It can't be, a, okay, this this last week against Washington, which, by the way, is a t- they're a tough customer, Washington. So you can't just say, okay, Daniel, you got to stack them up. You, you, you can't have it a one and done, so to speak. So that's going to be the challenge for Daniel Jones moving forward. Can he continue to stack together games where he's not making mistakes to kill the team and that he's, you know, pushing them forward? Now, I know a big part of the Giants offense has been their running game. They haven't really gotten Saquon Barkley, from what I can tell, going this upcoming season. He gets a relatively easier matchup this week against Atlanta, who have struggled so far in in terms of defending the run. Uh, Do you expect this to be a potential opportunity for Saquon Barkley to have his breakout game? Is this going to be a game where the Giants are going to try to feed Barkley and and have him have a, a big day on Sunday? Well, I think they always want to feed him. I mean, quite frankly, I don't like it when Daniel Jones finishes as the team leader in rushing yards, which he has done, I think, the last two games. Saquon, um, the good news is, is he's running well. He's He doesn't look, you know, like that knee is bothering him. The bad news is that he's running tentatively. Like I watch him and he approaches the line and there's almost like that little pitter-patter stutter step. And it's it's almost as though he's either not trusting what he's seeing or I don't know if he's looking or, or he's, he's undecisive or whatever the case might be. But that's, that's the part of his game that I think hasn't come back to him yet. Um, if the offensive line, and, and, you know, the run blocking from the offensive line hasn't been horrible. There's been opportunities. There's also been runs that Saquon has missed that he's just flat out missed the hole. So I think, you know, the more reps he gets, the more likely he's going to have that breakout game. Is it going to be against the Falcons? I don't know. I mean, I don't know how often they're going to run him or, you know, are are they going to continue to add to his workload? He had a pretty heavy workload um, against the Washington football team. But, you know, I think the arrow is trending in the right direction for Saquon. And um, I would expect at some point he's going to be the team's rushing yardage leader instead of Daniel Jones, which is how it should be. Now, you talk about some of that tentativeness that Saquon is showing, and maybe that's reflective of the run blocking not being quite to the level that he's expecting it to see. Uh, Talking about that Giants offensive line, a lot of people thought it could potentially be the Achilles heel for this team and this offense heading into the season. Watching that Thursday night game against Washington, where I just thought Washington's defensive line and pass rush was going to run absolutely roughshod over this offensive line. They seem to fare a little bit better uh, than I thought and allowed the Giants to be in that game and potentially have an opportunity to win the game at the end. Unfortunately, uh, a special teams penalty wind up robbing them in that regard. But I'm curious to get your assessment of this Giants offensive line. Are they outperforming expectations, given that I know a lot of people's expectations, including my own, were that they could potentially be one of the worst offensive lines in the league? Or is this a, a situation where they're still struggling um, and whatnot. Well, the thing that about the offensive line is they're getting solid play from Andrew Thomas, which I think was a, a key. Andrew Thomas did not look good in the preseason. And in the two games played so far, he's looked pretty solid. Nate Solder at right tackle 
had probably his best game against, you know, last week against Washington that I can remember uh, going back to 2019, which was his last season in which he played tackle before opting out in 2020. The problem for the Giants offensive line, which remember last week, they shuffled the lineup around in the interior. They moved um, Nick Gates from center to guard. And then unfortunately, Nick suffered that season ending horrific looking uh, broken leg. So they had to plug um, Ben Bredesen, I believe, in, in uh, at left guard. Meanwhile, at center, you had Billy Price. And in looking at the overall performance, I think a lot of the problems came in the interior of that offensive line. That's where you saw most of the pressures. That's where you saw some of the miscommunications. Like, for example, I counted at least three instances where it looked to be a miscommunication between Billy Price to center and Will Hernandez, the right guard on you know, who to block and who, you know, who should peel off of what block and getting to the second level and all that stuff. So I think that's got to be ironed out a little bit, but head coach Joe Judge did say that he was encouraged by what he saw. And I don't think the offensive line was horrible. I mean, so far the unit has been solid. It hasn't been spectacular, but it's been, I think, better than I think what a lot of people might've expected it to be based on what we saw in the preseason. Yeah, you mentioned some of those issues that the, the Giants dealt with, and, and I think that matches up pretty well with the Falcons' defensive strengths, that interior going up against Grady Jarrett with their best pass rusher. And if they continue to have those miscommunication issues, then I think the Falcons' defensive coordinator, Dean Pease, will be able to dial up uh, some blitzes to sort of exploit that. Uh, but on the note of defense, we're going to continue today's crossover Thursday here with Patricia Trainer of Locked On Giants talking about that Giants defense and some of the challenges it may bring to this Falcons offense. So guys, there's still more to come on today's crossover Thursday episode. But before we get into that, I want to let you know that BetOnline is back and it's better than ever. All eyes are now on the gridiron as teams are back on the football field to start another season. And as always, BetOnline is your number one spot for all the pro and college football action this season with a new updated website and interface and even more odds, props, and contests. BetOnline.ag continues to be the number one source for everything football. Head over to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today with the promo code locked on for a 50% welcome bonus. If you're still looking at this Falcons giants game, the giants are still three point favorites. You know, my unexpert advice is to stay away from that game. But one game that I am willing to throw some action on is the Thursday night game tonight between the Texans and Panthers with Carolina being a seven and a half point favorite. Thanks to rookie Davis Mills getting his first NFL start for the Texans. And so if you're looking to get in on that action or other action, bet online is the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your favorite sports from football, basketball, boxing, right to your favorite Vegas casino games. Don't wait and take advantage of all the amazing offers available for this 2021 season. Bet online, your online sportsbook expert. So Falcon fans, I know when you're stuck in bumper to bumper traffic, you wind up burning through a lot of gas where there's this incredible app now that everyone should know about. It's called get upside. You can make up to 25 cents for every gallon of gas that you purchase. Every time you fill up, just download the free get upside app in the app store or Google play right now. Use the promo code touchdown to get a bonus 25 cents per gallon on your first fill up. That's up to 50 cents cash back. Don't pay full price at the pump anymore. Get cash back using get upside. Just download the app for free 
free. Use the promo code touchdown to get up to 50 cents per gallon cash back on your first take. Some people who drive a lot are making as much as 200 to $300 a month in cash back. And there's no catch. The cash back gets added right to your account. You can cash out anytime to your bank account, PayPal, or an e-gift card for Amazon or other brands. Just download the free get upside app in iOS or Android right now. Use the promo code touchdown and you get up to 50 cents per gallon cash back on your first tank. That's get upside in the app store and promo code touchdown. So still talking here with Patricia Chena here of Locked On Giants for Crossover Thursday, and we're switching sides of the ball talking about this Giants defense. I know, Patricia, when we talked back in the summer, one of the question marks that you had and, and I had for this Giants defense was their ability to dial up pressure. We know that Leonard Williams is their main guy on the interior. He's going to potentially get a very favorable matchup this week against Falcons rookie left guard and Jalen Mayfield, who has struggled in these first two games. So that's a golden opportunity for this Giants pass rush. But I'm curious about the rest of the unit. Has players like Dexter Lawrence, Azizo, Jalari, has there been other players that have stepped up to give a little bit more support for Leonard Williams in the middle? You know, it's interesting. Dexter Lawrence is a guy who I thought would really, you know, have a breakout year this year. And so far, he's been kind of on the quiet side. And I don't want to beat a dead horse with this. I know Giant fans will know what I'm going to say, but I wonder how much the team is missing Dalvin Tomlinson, who left them by a free agency. Tomlinson did a lot of the dirty work inside, which created opportunities for Leonard Williams and Dexter Lawrence and, you know, the linebackers coming off the edge and, we just haven't seen it yet. And, you know, you look at the pass rush, you know, you have Leonard Williams, obviously, he's coming off the double-digit sack season, his best season ever. You have an upgrade, I think, in the, the edge rushers. You know, Lorenzo Carter is back from injury. Um, O'Shane Zimenez is back from injury. Uh, Aziz Ojulari, as you mentioned. And the pass rush has been quiet. Now, I don't know how much of that is a result of the back end of the defense not holding their coverage, but... I don't even see guys, you know, making it close in getting to the quarterback. You know, at least last year you saw guys getting close to disrupt. And, you know, maybe they were off by a split second or two. I don't think I've seen that very often or as often, I should say, this year in the first two games. So I'm really not sure if it's just, you know, they're trying to get a feel for everything. Is it really that they're missing Dalvin Tomlinson? Um, is it something else? I don't know the answer, but I do know this. They they better find that pass rush sooner or later because they can't be giving. I mean, they made Teddy Bridgewater and Taylor Heineke look like Aaron Rodgers and Tom Brady. And they they just they can't do that. They, they've got to get after these guys. They've got to do a better job with disguising their protections. They've got to do a better job with moving these quarterbacks off their marks and just taking the ball by or the bull by the horns and, you know, taking control of the game the way they used to last year. Yeah. So this is a golden opportunity going up against the Falcons offensive line that has struggled this year. But obviously what you're saying is music to the ears of many Falcon fan listeners right now who uh, have been troubled by how much this uh, offense has struggled to protect Matt Ryan these first two games. So this is a golden opportunity, I think, for both teams to sort of get off the snide. But talking about this Giants defense and, and talking about that secondary, we know James Bradbury has played at a high level since joining the team. He's often been asked to beat a shadow corner going up against the opposing team's number one receiver. Do you expect to see that again this week now that Calvin Ridley is coming to town? Well, it's interesting. James Bradbury has actually struggled these first two weeks. 
And I don't know what's going on there. I mean, I don't, I think part of the problem is that they're asking him to play off the receiver and not allowing them to do as much press man coverage as we thought we would see. I mean, we've seen a little bit more, but not as much as we thought. So James Bradbury has kind of looked human again after looking superhuman last year. Um, my guess is yes, I could see Bradbury drawing um, Calvin Ridley as an assignment, but I wonder if they're going to maybe bracket him, but I'd be more concerned about the middle of the field because that's where the Giants have just absolutely been gashed and tight ends, opposing tight ends. Now the Giants, they have always had trouble with opposing tight ends for as long as I can remember. So um, with Kyle Pitts coming to town, I'm more than a little concerned about that. Do the Giants have the speed? Do they have guys with the size to keep up with Kyle Pitts? And, um, you know, I was I was looking at the Giants roster, and I'm saying, okay, how might Patrick Graham play this? And I think the only guy that maybe comes close to being the solution is Jabril Peppers, who's not really a huge, you know, he's not a big guy. I think he's like six foot, whereas Pitts is like six five, six six. So you're still talking a, a size matchup there. And my gosh, if I'm Patrick Graham, I'm I'm probably not getting much sleep this this week. You know, trying to figure out how to shore up the middle of that field. And you know, do I devote double coverage to Ridley or do I try and double up? Uh, you know, Kyle Pitts. The last element of the Giants' defense I want to talk about is their run defense. Uh, I know they haven't had a, a ton of success looking at some of the various advanced metrics that I've seen stopping the run this upcoming season. The run game has been an important element of the Falcons offense. They haven't really been able to get it going since the first quarter of that week one loss to the Philadelphia Eagles. Uh, I'm curious to get your thoughts on this Giants run defense. Is it a vulnerability that you think the Falcons could potentially exploit? You know, not so much. I, I don't think it's a, a vulnerability so much up the middle. I think the edges is where I'm a little concerned. I don't want to single out one guy. I hate to do this because I happen to like the player, but every time O'Shane Zimenez is, is on the field, you can pretty much guarantee that the run is going in his direction. And that's been a problem for him since he's come into the league. He's just, you know, I don't know if it's just he's not taking the right angles or he's not strong enough or whatnot, but he has had his struggles against the run and teams just seem to find him and they target him. Lorenzo Carter, not too bad against the run. Ojulari is, is has been kind of hit and miss, but, you know, you can say, well, he's a rookie, he's still trying to get his feet under him. But, yeah, the edges, I think, is what concerns me. And I don't have the numbers in front of me, but um, in terms of average yards gain, I think opponents have been more successful running outside of the tackle box than they have inside the tackles against the Giants. Well, I think, again, that's a, a positive potentially in the Falcons' favor. They really struggled uh, to run the ball up the middle against that Bucks front. They only had what little success they had last week in week two was running to the outside. Uh, so we'll see if the Falcons can continue that uh, against this Giants defense. Uh, Patricia, I appreciate you joining me. Um, given that the Giants are favored, do you feel like this is a game where the Giants can get off of uh, their skid. I think there's a golden opportunity for both Falcons and the Giants to get their season back on track with the win. What are your sort of expectations overall for what this final score may wind up being? I think the Giants got to pull this one out. I mean, it's Eli Manning day. If they get blown out, 
if they get wiped off the field, it's going to, that's not going to go over really well. Now, you know, obviously the team is not concerned about the external things that go on, but again, it's Eli Manning day that he's going to be honored at halftime. You know, Jersey's going to be retired. He's going to go into the ring of honor. You do not want to play like garbage on a, a, a any Sunday, you don't want to play like garbage, but especially this Sunday, given that, you know, you have a two-time Super Bowl champion, two-time Super Bowl MVP, multiple Pro Bowls, um, honors, potentially uh, Hall of Fame quarterback. So I'm not saying the pressure's on because of that, but if I'm this giant team, I would not want to embarrass the organization on such a special day because there's going to be a lot of buzz, a lot of electricity for that. A lot of fans are coming. I fully expect every seat to be, you know, filled up. And um, the Giants, they've got to give them a good show because, you know, that is the halftime show, if you will. The Giants got to carry the load and they, they, they better deliver. They got to start fast and they have to deliver because if they don't, things are going to get really, really ugly. I mean, if you thought they were ugly last week, Giant fans, they are going to get worse if the Giants don't beat the Falcons and they have to go to New Orleans with an 0-3 record. Yeah, I think the Giants fans will certainly let them know uh, if they do not perform up to par. And, and so I think you're, you're right. This game is a perfect litmus test for the Giants to sort of see how far they've fallen or how far they've come since those, you know, the heights of those Eli Manning years when they were a Super Bowl team. So golden opportunity for Daniel Jones to show, hey, you know, Eli Manning's not the only good quarterback uh, that's played for the Giants in re- recent years. So, again, perfect opportunity for both of these teams to to get off the skid and, and get this uh, get a win in the win column. I think these two teams are relatively well-matched, uh, strength against weaknesses and in, in, in whatnot for both sides of the ball. So we'll see what happens. And, of course, Patricia, let the people know uh, what are some of the things that you're going to be talking about on Locked on Giants this week as you uh, unpack this potential matchup and other things, as well as where people can find you on Twitter and elsewhere. Yeah, you can find me on Twitter at Patricia underscore Trina. Um, you can also find my written work on Giants Country, which is part of the Sports Illustrated Fan Nation group. We've got breakdowns, keys to the game. We've got all kinds of cool stuff coming up um, on on the site. And some of that stuff I'll be talking about on the podcast. Um, I'm not quite sure what I'm doing for Friday's show as as we record this, but uh, it'll be something game-related. So, uh, yeah, check it out. Tune in, Locked on Giants podcast. I'm also on YouTube. The podcast is on YouTube. So uh, you can see, you know, the graphics and all the cool stuff that I added on the, on my podcast. And again, check out the Giants countryside if you want to know what's going on from a Giants perspective. Absolutely. And, and listeners, go check out uh, today's uh, crossover on YouTube uh, where you can find it locked on Giants, where you'll get some insights into the Falcon side of this matchup uh, where I discussed that on locked on Giants with Patricia. So Patricia, I really appreciate you joining me today for this crossover Thursday, looking forward to seeing what outcome we get on Sunday. Uh, one of us is going to be very frustrated uh, on Sunday. And one of us is going to be probably a little bit more elated. And I'm, I'm eager to see which one of us falls into either category. Me too. So guys, there you have it. 
Patricia Trina, Locked On Giants. Again, go check out Locked On Giants episode if you want to get more of the Falcon side of things. You know, uh, add a, another show to your daily commute to and from work, or at the gym, or while you're cleaning up kitchen, or while you're uh, you know put the baby to sleep uh, and just getting you know 20 minutes to yourself uh, as that baby's taking to sleep. Well, however you listen to the podcast, I, I don't know, you know, I, I'm not living your life, but however you listen to the podcast, I appreciate it. Uh, and I appreciate it. If you check out lockdown giants, in addition to today's lockdown Falcons episode uh, tomorrow, we will be talking about various subjects. Um, you know, we'll see if there's any updates as far as the Falcons news, but right now my current plan is I do want to talk a little bit about Matt Ryan's future in Atlanta, something that I've been mulling about since last week when we talked about Matt Ryan, uh, just, thoughts in my head and, and wanting to put them on a microphone, you know, before it becomes, you know, we'll, we'll see, uh, you know, right now I'm sitting here thinking like every week we're going to have to <laughs> do a referendum on Matt Ryan and what his future is looking like in Atlanta. And with, I laugh at that because for a very, very long time, every time Matt Ryan had a good game or a bad game or whatever the case may be. And I basically used to say, and I've been saying this since basically 2010, uh, going back to that week one game where he struggled against the Steelers when they lost to Dennis Dixon, basically saying starting then that not every game has to be a referendum on Matt Ryan. And now <laughs> every game is going to be a referendum on Matt Ryan, uh, you know, moving forward. So there's some things I want to talk about. We'll, we'll get into some keys to the game uh, this weekend that we did not get in on today's episode that has also been mulling around in my head. Uh, and uh, we'll give you any updates on the news or whatever. So that's the plan for tomorrow's episode. Uh, so definitely check that out. If you want to provide some feedback to me, you can do so uh, by hitting me up on Twitter at Locked on Falcons, on Facebook at Locked on Falcons, or you can send an email to Locked on Falcons at mail.com. And with that being said, uh, you know, before we duck out of here, I want to let you guys know about the Locked on Bets podcast, uh, the your daily podcast devoted to helping you earn some money where you're getting expert advice from handicapping expert Lee Sterling. He's giving you daily picks. His lock of the day, his blowout specials, all that sort of stuff. Check out the Locked On Beds podcast brought to you by betonline.ag. You can find it on the Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. There you guys have it. Appreciate it. Till then.